I mean, look, even Nicholas just said like a hundred times, Tiger's the best that I've ever seen. Would you all just leave me alone? <laughs> Stop trying to Let me up. suffer. Like, I just want to be miserable. Welcome back to the Big Players Only Podcast, a partner of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. We are the best place to catch up on golf from around the world, including the golf of your favorite big players, Ben, Josh, Tyler, Tully, Colin, and Kenny Oneput. We'll kick things off with the recap from the FedEx St. Jude from this past weekend at TPC Southwind, the first FedEx Cup playoff event. Lucas Glover takes it down, his second win in back-to-back weeks. We'll talk about where that leaves him in the Ryder Cup standings, Could he be a captain's pick? We'll break down and give you our opinion on who we think the captain's picks will be for this year's Ryder Cup. And coming up this week, the BMW Championship. The top 50 from last week advance. Olympia Fields in Chicago is an amazing venue. We got another $20 million up for grabs. We'll talk about some of the guys that are sitting on the outside looking in. Numbers 31 through 50, trying to get into Eastlake next week. And we'll talk about some of the guys 25 to 30 who, if they don't play well this week, they could be supplanted by guys ranked lower than them. We got some really big names on that list. And to wrap up the episode, we'll talk about Dub's round at the Pete Dye Golf Club out at Bridgeport, West Virginia, about three hours west of Frederick. Dub continues to check off the list of premier Pete Dye golf courses in the U.S. For Sawgrass, now this, the Pete Dye Golf Club, 87th out of 100 top courses in the United States. So we'll get his thoughts on the course, talk a little bit about the history. Thanks, everyone, for being here. If you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram. Give us a follow at BigPlayersOnlyPod, and we hope you enjoy the episode. All right, the boys are back, and we're hot off another Lucas Glover win. Back-to-back weeks for the guy. I mean, Tyler said it a couple weeks ago. He had had a few strong finishes, T4, 6, T5, and all of a sudden, he rattles off back-to-back wins. He's now got himself to fourth in the FedEx Cup rankings, and I think seriously in the conversation for heading to the Ryder Cup in Rome as a captain's pick. You know, I think you could argue it easily both ways. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about the tournament. He plays Patrick Cantley in a one-hole playoff. Pretty climactic, right? Like, you had Rory chasing. You had Tommy Fleetwood chasing. Cantley chasing. Lucas Glover puts a ball in the water on a par three. Doesn't hit a good wedge shot with his third after the drop and makes, like, a 40-footer for his bogey. And it's like, okay, maybe he can right the ship. He does right the ship. He plays the last three holes in one under. He birdies the par five. Makes a good up and down on 17. Plays 18 well. Him and Cantley go to a playoff. It kind of felt like David versus Goliath. Like maybe this story for Lucas Glover is kind of running out. You know, he had a good week. He won last week. But, you know, is he going to beat Patrick Cantley in a playoff? Patrick Cantley, like, rope hooks three, went into the water on 18, pretty much takes himself out of it, wedges his ball, his third shot as close as Lucas Glover's second shot was, and we write it down in the storybooks. A crazy end of the season for Lucas Glover, and he's not finished yet. He's definitely into Eastlake and into the BMW this week. What were your guys' thoughts on the FedEx St. Jude and then anything on Lucas Glover? My thoughts on Luke's Glovers, I think we need to slow the excitement down. I mean, this is, yes, this is the, I think, in my opinion, the first event that he's won that's really like meant anything. Yes, he won like two weeks ago, but that was kind of against a field of other struggling golfers. His other good finishes were all 
in those, you know, mule events, you know, where it's just a bunch of kind of like nobodies. This guy didn't play in a single major this year, and his last major was the PGA of 2022. So he hasn't, like, yes, he's been playing solid against, until last week, relatively weak competition. So it's not, it's hard to, you know, crown him, you know, a Ryder Cup guy or, you know, a potential favorite to win the FedEx you know, Cup or anything like that because he's, like, yeah, he's playing well, but he he's never really held up long term. So I think you got to... You need, you need to cool the jets on this guy a little bit. I think the fun thing about Lucas Glover is like, what if Rory and Scotty and Rom just figured out their putting? Like that's what it would look like. But then on an even higher scale, like you look at Lucas Glover, he's always been a flusher of the golf ball. Tita Green, great iron player, kind of like all those guys we listed off. And most of them are struggling putting right now. And all of a sudden, Lucas Glover gets this big broomstick. He's top five, ten putter in the world right now, and he's winning at a good clip. And not just, like, statistically a good putter. Like, he hit how many, like, 20, 30, 40-foot putts for par, bogey, birdie to keep him in it on that Sunday round. Like, unbelievable putts that he had to have, and he just buried them. And it was funny, because I think he probably missed two birdie putts of, like, 10 feet or shorter. And and it didn't look like bad strokes. It kind of looked like the reeds were off a little bit. But it was just weird to see him, like, 40-footer for par, right in the middle. 10-footer for birdie, didn't even catch the edge. And on number it's like me at league. <laughs> like number seventeen is the one league? that comes to mind when he needs it. When he needed it the most, he needed a par to like keep himself in it to stay tied going in the eighteenth hole, which nobody was birdieing all day. So he basically the tournament came down to that. I think it was like a fifteen foot putt uh, that his playing partner had just missed, and he just absolutely stepped up and buried it. No doubt, that's a hole that he rope hooked one left and then yeah. had to took an aggressive line and got really lucky not to go in that little stream. Yeah, yeah. I think it bounced, like, right around yeah. the stream. I mean, it was really close. Only back-to-back winner this year. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. For a it's long – first one since Finau, and Finau's back-to-backs were not in back-to-back weeks. They were – there was a couple-week gap. Tournaments. Yeah, back-to-back but tournaments. That's the counterpoint, I guess. I think Xander had a back-to-back last year, too, didn't he? Maybe. I think he went and won the Scottish after winning Travelers. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, well, talk about rarefied air. I, I don't know how many times they mentioned him in the same category as Tiger Woods on the broadcast because it's like <laughs> the the over forty category of like back to back wins, uh, wins in the FedEx playoffs. Like it's him and Tiger now, and they just kept saying these like crazy stats of like, oh yeah, Lucas Glover joins Tiger Woods as the, uh, you know, so Ryder Cup favorite right yeah, there. But I think that's that's more pointing out of no. like a what the hell is this sort of situation <laughs> rather than wow, this guy's like Tiger Woods. It's more of like the anomaly of the Do you guys know what uh professional athlete is nicknamed the glove? Not yeah, Gary, Glover, Payton. Gary Payton. <laughs> Do you think he's taking it taking the mantle for this week? Well, he doesn't wear it. He doesn't wear a glove. <laughs> <laughs> I, I it's think, like Alex Maiman. Yeah, it's like a really bad op- missed opportunity by him for sponsors. It, it, it really, he's, <laughs> he's, he's quoted as saying if uh, if he was to wear gloves, that he'd be like a ten handicap. So he that's how he feels. yeah, it's that's really kind of secret. Crazy. You don't wear you don't wear gloves, and every hole you put your hands in the ice buckets or the ice coolers, and, and that's kind of feel your hands you anyways. So. so that I thought that was a really interesting move because, like, well, it's, def- it's certainly like an old adage, but like guys like. Jack Nicholas and Gary Player always talked about like having like the blood flowing, and then you put your hands in an ice bath. It's kind of the opposite of it, like staying cold. I don't know. That was interesting. Well, I think that was more of a play because you know, as you could see from his pants, it was Sweating. fucking hot oh, as hell yeah. out there. So I think he was just trying to cool off a little bit. I, I still surprised the shit out of me. I mean, 
I get it. Your hands are sweating, but I would never put my hands in an ice bath coming down the stretch on Sunday. You just Isn't lose it? all your touch, basically. Yeah, I mean, you just don't know what could happen. <laughs> maybe, like, maybe well, it's more of like a juju thing. I don't know. Isn't is there something about like you know like having kind of dead hands through the ball on like a driver swing or something like that versus around the green? Like maybe it would do something like that. Feels like somebody else is swinging it. <laughs> He's just like, well, I'll tell you, Lucas Glover. You know, he didn't <laughs> look. Ghost Rider. He, or something he didn't. Like that. He didn't look uncomfortable at the Wyndham. I think probably because it's the Wyndham. He looked pretty nervous on Sunday. Like. You could see him, like, just so distraught when he missed a putt. I mean, maybe because he's just making everything. But it was like, you miss a 10-footer, you go, ah. And then two seconds later, you just move on. And it really looked like he was carrying some baggage. So I think when I start thinking about Lucas Glover, and I know it's a long shot for him to potentially be a, a captain's pick for the Ryder Cup. But who knows? Maybe he plays really good in the next two weeks. I probably look back at this Sunday at the St. Jude, and he looked a little uncomfortable. I'll give him that. That, You'll give him that. I'll give him that. Yeah, give so, him that he looked uncomfortable. So we should probably cut this. But uh, uh, did you know about his domestic yes. violence past? Yeah, because he played bad and his wife beat his him. Oh, wife another tiger commonality. Beat him when he played bad. Some, someone, someone tweeted like, "God, I hope they're going to like a five star resort in a few months." <laughs> yeah, like, if you're so, gonna beat the guy when he's down, you might as well reward him. Yeah. Himself. So what's he get for winning two straight tournaments? <laughs> he gets beat again in a different yeah. way. He won five million dollars though. <clears throat> two weeks, which was like beat that. <laughs> Beat that, honey. <laughs> Unreal. All right. So, like, let's let's get into it then. So, let's talk about uh, the Ryder Cup. So, we have our six autos. We have Scotty Scheffler, Wyndham Clark, Patrick Cantlay, Brian Harmon, Brooks Kepka, and Max Homa. Those guys' autos. And then of, you know, the next six are captain's picks. But I think, in my opinion, I think we'd probably share this opinion that it would be hard to leave out Xander Schauffele, Jordan Spieth, and Cam Young. Cam Young, maybe there's an argument that – you know, you could replace him, but I think about the future of American golf. He's the young stud. Like, you want to get him as much experience as possible. So, let's just assume those nine guys are in. They've verbally committed to you – you've probably saw that too. Yeah, Cam, right. Cam Young, he said – Fred Couples was like, he's going to be there. Yeah, agreed. So. so, then we have quite a long list of players that I think there's an argument for all of them to be in as captain's picks. So, we'll start with, you know, Lucas Glover, Dustin Johnson – Bryson DeChambeau, Keegan Bradley, who would be in technically on points. Sam Burns would technically be in on points. Ricky Fowler, Justin Thomas, Denny McCarthy, who hasn't been playing that good, but we know the putter gets hot. And then another guy that would get in technically on points but may not be picked is Colin Morikawa. So give me three names out of that list that you think should be in Rome. Now, do you want three names that I think should be in there, or do you want who I think is going to get picked? Who would you pick? Who would you pick? I mean, obviously, Ricky. Ricky's hands down has to be in there. That I think that's the no-brainer, in my opinion. He's been playing too well all year. The only reason he's that. not an automatic qualifier is because the Ryder Cup, like the point system, works over multiple seasons. It's not just this year that counts it. Uh, so I think he's got a hundred percent in. I gotta still put JT in, uh, even over, over like a Lucas Glover that's been playing well. Strictly from that, like he is arguably the biggest Ryder Cup guy of the last you know, few years on those teams. So I, th- I think that you'd be foolish to not. And I hate to say it, I think you, you go ahead and you keep a like a Morikawa or even you bring in, say, a Finau or someone that, that was awesome. I, I need your third. I'm saying a Morikawa. Morikawa, Based okay. off your list, or you could even like throw in a Finau because you didn't list him so on your Are you list. going with Morikawa? I'm going with Morikawa okay. based on your damn list. <laughs> Finau's an interesting one, but he's, he's like 20th in the rankings right now, so he's a tough one. But My, my thought is like, these were the guys that have shown it, and they, they've shown they have that ability in the, the match play, in the Ryder Cup, President's Cup, all those things. They were at the beatdown at the last Ryder Cup and like are 
we're part of that team that's trying to get that momentum going and get that dominant U.S. force going. I think you got to let them sort of play that out. I agree. I mean, I think Ricky, I don't know if I get my three here or not, but Ricky, I don't think you can tell the story of golf this season without Ricky, honestly. And I feel like that's narrative wise. I mean, it's not just about how you're playing, but it's about the crowds you draw. It's about the panache you have, and it's about chemistry, which is why I also really think that JT should be there. I know, I know like he hasn't been playing that well, but it's almost, it's almost, it's a past performance type thing. And he's not even that old. Like it'd be different if he was for me, if he was like five, six, seven years older and it was past performance, but he just did this recently. So, I mean, I could, I could see the argument against JT and maybe someone's going to make it, but like, I agree with the Ricky JT combo. And that's probably just like picking favorites there. But I, I just, I feel like the team's going to be weird and boring without them. That's like my main kind of thought there. I don't mean the third guy. I don't know. I was kind of, I was hoping a month ago, like Denny would make a big run. And I still think like it could be a really nice um, ad for him. But like, honestly, like why not DJ? I mean, DJ, I guess he's like maybe not taking golf as seriously anymore. And he's kind of over, he's not quite over the hill, but I, I mean, my gut is saying pick DJ just cause he's like, he's got the balls and he, him and Brooks could be kind of a combo. And then like, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's a probably just picking the three most famous golfers on the list. But like, I, I, uh, I kind of feel like it's, the, the European team has a lot of personality and like guys that can really bring it. And I feel like we need that from the American side. I don't know if the Brian Harmons of the world are going to inspire crowds. Like that's, that's uh, Wyndham Clark and Brian Harmon are not going to, I know. Yeah. So I don't know. I could see, I could see the argument for almost any of these guys other than, uh, the, other than maybe Bryson. That's, I think Bryson's a really tough sell. Which, if you look at who's playing the best right now, you would put Bryson on the team. I mean, <laughs> I don't as know. well yeah. as he's been yeah, playing. And Were you going to pick him? Were you going to pick Bryson? No, I was going <laughs> to. Former was, favorite golfer of yours. I was going to do the same three as Tully. But, uh, yeah, so so the one one of those that really surprised me that I said was Morikawa because I don't feel like he's ever been relevant at all this year. I know he's had some decent finishes, but I've never in any tournament or any major been like, oh yeah, Morikawa's right there. He's going to win this thing. Like it, it just feels like a down year, but every stat category you look at every ranking, he's yeah. fourth, third, fourth, like recency all year long, OWGR strokes gain, like all of that. He's, he's right there. And so you got to put him on the team, uh, JT for all the reasons you just mentioned. And then of course, Ricky, who's, you know, kind of the balance of playing really well, but also kind of that anchor player for the, for the U.S. team. Yeah, and you can't overlook, like, where the, you know, Europeans had so much success was not just going off of, like, the point system or who's playing hot right now, like, building, like, a team sort of environment. I think that's where those kind of picks go towards is that same kind of strategy that clearly showed to work for so many years. Yeah, I was hoping there'd be a little more um, arguments here with this... With this... Uh, selection process? Yes, with this selection <laughs> process. But... um. <laughs> I, I agree with you guys. I think Ricky has to be in just based on his, his performance this year, and, and I think he'd be a great asset for us. And I think if you're going to put Ricky in, and I think if Jordan's already on the team, you got that's even more reason to put JT in there because he has such good chemistry with those guys, um, not even just from a team chemistry like overall point, but as matchups, like matching up JT with Ricky or JT with Jordan. Those are great matchups to have on the team. And Screw then, it! Make Smiley Kaufman the final pick. <laughs> yeah, ball so boy. You got yeah. You got three. Of the oh, he'll be there. Spring break <laughs> reporting. But um, yeah. For the last one, I, you got to put Morikawa in there. I, yeah. I I heard last week. I think that he's leading like the 120 to 150 yard stat category still. Like his iron play is still. I I feel like I say this every week. He's 
best iron player in the world. It has been for a few years now. And I think that that is such an asset to have, especially for like alternate shot. If you can have someone that's just going to get you like close proximity to the hole every time, that's that's huge for for a team. I will say, though, Keegan Bradley, I wouldn't be shocked if he's on the team. Not only is he like in good form, he won the Travelers this year, but he does like have past experience as like like playing well in the Ryder Cup. I remember him and Phil are actually a pretty formidable team. Uh, I think they were on the team when was a Hazel team when we got upset on like the last day. Uh, but Keegan has He's not has, allowed has played well in the past, so I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be unhappy if he was picked. Two things that come to mind there. I mean, now that you guys talk about Morikawa, I'm like, yeah, it probably makes a ton of sense. Um, but, like, is it good to have guys that are really good at one thing? Like, just like the Denny two months ago when Denny was playing really well, like putting, like, is it, like, or, like, Morikawa's irons. Like, is it good to have, like, pick specialties over generalists in these types of situations? Or is it kind of, you just want the best golfer possible? I think it depends on the specialty. I think in, like, match play, Ryder Cup style, like, our best the, the putter is huge so like being able to hypothetically pair a denny mccarthy with we'll say a scotty scheffler who hasn't been able to putt well really i didn't know that (laughs) (laughs) i know it's breaking news but like pair him with you know them together in say an alternate shot format but it could be overthinking it's probably what like you're it's probably it's like if you overthink it too much then you're you're yeah i think the alternate shot is where that those ideas come into play because like four ball you're still playing like they're still playing their own ball they're going to be as good as entirety of their game is at that point but alternate shot is where if you can get a good putter to make putts when if you hit a shot a little offline or or a good driver to get you down there somewhere where you can't normally drive it like that's where those kind of stats become beneficial and the other other thing i was going to say is like let's like can we make the anti-jt argument like i am all for jt but i've been reading a lot of stuff that are like he can't be on the team he's a pretender they got to leave him off like i feel like there's a lot of like that's like the, the main ESPN article today was saying like JT's out like oh. he can't be on the team. ESPN's like, a horrible. I'm just saying like people are like not everyone is like yeah JT. Well, anti JT argument is go look at what he's done this year. Yeah, but like, like is that like, cut at three or four majors? Is there any validity really to that? Not argument? Showed up. And, I mean, yeah, there's they, a lot of validity to it. I yeah. mean, he hasn't. Yeah, he, he played okay at the Wyndham, like, but you know what I mean. And yeah, he mm-hmm. fought a little bit at the the 3M, but like he has not really shown he's able to play great golf right now. You know, I mean, he. I guess he had a good Saturday at the Wyndham, you know, like an average Sunday at the Wyndham. But, like, we're definitely building the storyline up a bit. JT's not playing great golf. Yeah, but it's almost like it's almost like if it was, uh, you like, one guy makes an all-star team in, like, the NBA or something, and, like, but you know who the all-stars are. Like, just because, like, one guy was not really doing that well this year, it's like Kawhi is still one of the guy, one of the top ten guys, even if he's having, like, a down year or something. So, I don't know. My whole thing was, like, despite the not playing great golf right now would be, like, this is not an individual event. So it's a whole different mentality when they go into this than it is when you go and show up, you know, at Augusta national, like what your mindset is. So it's, there's a, it's a whole different way that they're going to be approaching this. So I think that's where having a little bit of that experience, someone that has the passion drive for that style becomes that big thing that gives JT. Cause we, everybody knows that he has the ability to hit all of those shots. He can. We've seen him do it so many times, all over again. You know, most recently we saw him that hook out of the trees thing to recover. Like he can do it. He has all the shots, and he'll be there to potentially hit a clutch shot in a clutch moment. Can we kick Brian Harmon out? Uh, no, Brian Harmon's not the problem. I think Wyndham Clark's going to be a bit of a liability. <laughs> yeah, Wyndham Clark's because 
He's got all the erraticness off the tee and stuff. Like, you mean that not, strong fade off the tee? Yeah. I've been trying to play that shot for years, and it never works for me, so I don't yeah. see how he's going to hold it. I, I will say, to spin this argument a little bit here, I would have loved to have seen Bryson. I don't think there's any chance he makes the team, but he's still one of the top three needle movers in golf. And talk about, like, amped-up atmosphere, him with that wild personality just hitting bombs all over the place with his crank drivers. I mean, that would make it exciting versus some of the guys we mentioned who – you know, pretty much don't have a pulse out there when they're playing. And then, it, not that I'm actually advocating this, another guy whose name I've heard tossed around is Steve Stricker, who is absolutely <laughs> dominating the Champions Tour. <laughs> Has some good Ryder Cup experience. You never know. Get some get some real veteran presence That is in the there. best exception to JT making the team <laughs> if Steve Stricker comes on. Wasn't like Padraig Harrington like competing to be on the European Adi's team? has been playing really good. Well, Steve Stricker's going to be there regardless, right? I'm sure he's a co-captain, absolutely. He's like, hey, I'm actually going to do this myself. Tyre was a playing captain one year, wasn't he? So, I mean, why not Steve yeah, Stricker? for the President's Cup. W, I think Bryson should be in. And I your think, pick? That's yeah, your official So, I think that Morikawa and Ricky are both locks for me. Good iron players. Ricky's putter is too hot. Morikawa's just way too consistent. When you think about some of these guys that Morikawa could be paired up with, like he could get paired up with a Wyndham Clark, and I think they could be really successful together, actually. And then I think Bryson is an incredible person to put on this team, yeah, for the long ball. Like, it's going to be, some days it's going to be good, some days it's going to be bad, but you don't have to put him in every match. And if you put head-to-head Bryson versus JT, I think Bryson is playing much better golf. And I know JT brings a lot to the clubhouse. And, like, Bryson's not hated. Bryson will definitely bring the, he'll bring the atmosphere and the heat to the clubhouse. He's just a little nerdy and people kind of, you kind of roll. Love to hate him. Love to hate him. You roll your eyes at Bryson, but I think he's a decent clubhouse guy, but Morikawa and Ricky, I think, are locks for me. But I take Bryson over JT just because I think he's he has a little bit of the X factor. He's playing good golf. He has the X factor. JT has an X factor, but hasn't been playing good golf. So no one's picking Lucas Glover. Yeah, I think that was. <laughs> I think he's the trendy. Like if he comes out and so what's what, yeah, what's Glover going to have to say do? A top five, top ten kind of thing next week, like uh, yeah. a, like a very good performance, and then at least like a top five, top three at. The tour championship is the only way I think you can pick him because like his track record, despite being hot right now is not really that great. And his experience in big time events isn't there. I think a top 10 this week, this weekend of the BMW and then the tour championship it's hard is to so weird. Cause there's like 10, you're starting at the, Yeah. But I think if he's like middle of the pack or like shoots like within, I don't know, like a couple strokes of the lead for the tour championship, I then we'll talk. The only reason I think he needs like a top three or he, something at the tour championship is that if he has a top 10 this week, then he's going to be in the position of he's at minus eight, minus seven. Yeah, he's you know, going to be, yeah. He's in gonna that top third. echelon of it. So he needs to be able to hold on to that position that he's starting in. I agree with Deb. I think if Lucas Glover wins out, you got to put him on the team. You got yeah, to. Yeah, if a guy wins four straight going into the Ryder yeah, Cup, you can't. Not oh. even a question. I think, yeah, even if he doesn't win the Tour Championship, but if he gets top five this week and then comes top five of the Tour Championship, it's going to be really hard to overlook him. I'd agree with that. We well, kind of didn't push back on Ben's Bryson thing, though. Are we? I mean, that's like a pretty big take, I feel like. Just because he shot like a 58 like two weeks ago doesn't mean he's like... Yeah, I think he came in top 20 this week at Bedminster. I mean, he's... He's well, playing. Like who cares? Well, I think he's playing really good golf. He's he's hitting the ball really good off the tee with that with that crank driver, and his putting has been incredible. And I really want, I want good putters. You know, I want good putters on the team, especially if I'm going to put Morikawa yeah. in there, who's definitely just an iron player. And there's a lot of really good putters on this list, but some of these guys, like you know, Scotty, like there's not a lot of great putting on this team. And I think Bryson, he's a guy you'd love to play with too. You know, he's got he's got the energy. 
I don't know. He's 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 three. He's, he went two, three, and one at Whistling Straits, so he played every match. I don't know. I, I think Bryson is, is my guy. I think Bryson would be good for the four ball um, mm. as opposed to the alternate. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> alternate shots, like, all right, where the hell are you going to put yeah, me on this drive? I agree with that. But, like, four ball, it's like, hey, where the, what's Bryson doing? Oh, he drove it, like, way over <laughs> there, but he's, like, 25 yards from the yeah. hole. He's just like up and down for birdie. Let's just be honest. Like, you know, Brian Harmon, he's a guy I'd like to see in four ball because he can make a lot of pars. He's going to make a lot of up and downs. He's, like... He's the modern-day Kevin Kisner pick. Yeah, like, and he's not, like, super good friends with any of these Kevin guys. Kevin Kisner's not a pick. You know, like Jordan yeah. JT, those guys got to play together kind of thing. And Shawflay and Cantley, those guys are un, they're unbeatable together. But who are you going to put Brian Harmon with? And I think putting Brian Harmon with him. Clark. Yeah, maybe, right? He hits the ball pretty <laughs> right, far. You're selling me out of love. But you, you put him with Bryson. I think that's an incredible well, football the, team. Well, the question is, who's Scotty going to play with? They're going to have to roll him out in every single match, I would Absolutely. assume. Ricky? And there's no logical uh, partner, right? I mean, who would that be? I, I don't recall him playing with the same guy at the President's Cup. Um, we haven't said Homa's name once yet. Homa's yeah. in that like lock. I think. Yeah, he's a lock. No, like, I know, but I mean, just who's to he like, play with Scotty. Who's yeah. he, I mean, who's his partner? I mean, and he's he's kind of come around lately. Yeah, agree. I'm really disappointed. I'm going to advocate for a um, Harmon Spieth team. Yeah, like talk about don't two, do that. Talk about me. two guys who make like a ton of putts who could like scramble their asses off, get up and down from everywhere. That'd be a tough team to beat. So that means you're not putting JT on, right? No, speed yeah, JT is considered in with Harmon. Right. Speed's one of the second rounds of guys that we're definitely assuming. Be in. Is yeah. In. Cool. Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll pick this conversation up next week based on how the BMW goes. Cause we, you know, we got any of these guys, you know, Glover, Glover, Keegan, Sam Burns, Ricky, JT, Denny, Morikawa, any of those guys, if they win the BMW, all of a sudden this conversation changes big time. Yeah, we should talk Europe next because we have three automatics right now, right? That's the Europe gets a little thin at the yeah. bottom, but we can, yeah, we can definitely bring that one up. Yeah, Europe's looking better and better every week. They do, yeah, especially if they get Aber. I think it's a coin flip now. And home home turf advantage. I don't know. I, I got to look a little bit more into Marco Simone too. I'm really. Do they have a single Italian on the team. Where's Kiko? No, is he on the, is no. He, is he a, Yeah, the uh, Italians aren't that good right now. Guido's probably the highest. Baronk won there this year. There's your uh, oh, there hometown guy. Oh, and um, McIntyre won there two years ago or last year. So yeah, they got they got some good performances there. All right, let's jump into the other event that happened this past week: the AIG Women's Open, the final major for the women this year. Lilia Vu gets it done. She had a five shot lead going into Sunday. Finished winning by six. There was a little bit of time in the middle there where Charlie Hull was making a push. The leaderboard was decent. Once again, the big stars like Nelly and Jin Young Ko and Lydia Ko, none of them played that great. Lil, uh, Nelly Korda had like a couple moments there Friday, Saturday, where it looked like she was going to turn on the Jets and just kind of fell flat. But ultimately, I think the conclusion of this year is just how drastically different women's golf looks this year compared to past years. It was always about the big names in the past three to five years, the Lydia Coes, the Nelly Cordes, the Jin Young Coes. They, were, they weren't they were winning the majors. We know women's majors have kind of been like a, a toss-up. Like I think the last 19 major winners, other than now Lilia Vu being a two-time champion this year, were all like new winners. But all the big-time players played really good, like Minji Lee winning the U.S. Open last year. This year... You got Lilia Vu winning two. You got Allison Corpuz winning the U.S. Open. You got Celine Boudier winning the Evian, her first major. Lots of names like what you might consider mules for the LPGA Tour kind of taking the next step and these stars kind of trending down. I think we're in a really interesting place with women's golf. And for me, it's not quite as iconic. Like when Lilia Vu wins the AIG Women's Open, the storylines just, they're not quite as good as like when Lucas Glover wins the 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 FedEx St. Jude like we know 
her and him and Lily Avu kind of have maybe a similar pedigree, like always been pretty good, kind of making their run to the top, and then they finally break through. But there's so much parity right now in the in the women's game. It's like every time there's a new winner, it's not very exciting. They've got a star problem. They sure. do. Like there's the the few names you know don't ever seem to show up, and it's takes my attention away from even thinking about them. Which is TV. crazy because they coming off of last player. year, that's all it was. Yeah. And that, they were like skyrocketing as far as like trending in a, a good direction. And then this year, yeah, it's been, you know, a, a bunch of lackluster stars, if you will, um, winning these major tournaments. And the, the stars like from the last second year. Half of the PGA Tour yeah, this year. The stars from last year have done little to nothing. We're still trying to make the whole Nelly Corda thing happen, and it just hasn't gone her way at all. And Jin Young Ko, who was a lock at number one player in the world, struggling. Um, <clears throat> Lydia Ko as well. So, yeah, I, I, hopefully it, it turns around a little bit next year. We'll I think see if Rose can kind of come on really strongly. Obviously, it's, it's hard to judge her first yeah. few events you know, too harshly. but I think maybe, maybe when, when a long shot wins a big event, like a major for the women's, it's way more, not impressive, but more iconic when they beat the best players, when the best players come in second, third, and fourth. And you look at this leaderboard, you had Lilia Vu, and then Charlie Hall, right? We know she's good, and she's been trending for sure. She comes in second, but then the rest of the players in the top ten, there's not really a recognizable name. I mean, Allison Corpus, who I wouldn't call a superstar, she wins the U.S. Open, so now she's kind of trending. But, like, Nellie Corder comes T11, and that's the next superstar kind of that was even in the mix, and she... Loses by 12 to Lilia Vu. So it's just not very good TV watching. Yeah, and uh, so should we have the same conversation with the Solheim Cup? Who's in, who's out? Is that next it's, year? Uh, no, it's it's this year. It's oh. going to be pretty underwhelming this year because outside of Nelly Corda, Lilia Vu, and Allison Corpus, the U.S. side has not much it's not going good. on. Danielle King's not playing great. Yeah, and uh, you know a little bit the same with the European side, although they have the, the Hall duo. Right. Uh, Leona McGuire and... Uh, Right. Who else? Celine. Yeah, I wasn't. I didn't watch much of this, but I saw the Charlie. I saw the Charlie all highlights. That one for she birdied. It was like just like literally did not hit the fairway or the green at any point. It was just like bouncing around. Yeah, like crazy. She I also Jardo Jardin Eagle bunker yeah. shot up against like one of those kind of riveted faces. And and she's become a star of the golf game. Well, I mean, like, like how she's she, like, got a lot of swagger and, yeah. and yeah, yeah. plays with a lot of character. And yeah, we saw her cool. at Pebble. We saw her this past week, and and definitely a rising star. I think we're glossing over the fact a little bit here that we're talking about star power when someone just won two majors in yeah. the same season. I mean, that's impressive. If that happened on the men's side, we'd be like, what an all-time what an all-time year because I think she won like a, show, she, yeah. uh, like at least one other event that wasn't a major. Like she's had an incredible season and this is someone who like is really just coming onto the scene. I think she kind of struggled with injuries in the past, bounced around some of the lower tours, but uh, it's almost like a like a Max Homa or a Brooks story. Yeah, Max Homa is very comparisons yeah. of them. Uh, but I mean, Max Homa, he's had a lot of recent success, but hasn't been able to get over the hump with majors. Well, this is is just so impressive that this woman is now winning two majors in one season, like right onto the stage. Uh, we'll see what she does next year. Maybe she could be the next star. She really could. So she comes out of UCLA, a highly touted amateur, turns pro, loses her tour card after one year, and then goes back down to the Epson tour, kind of like the the corn fairy tour wins like three events, automatic promotion struggled for a couple years more on tour. And then this year has just turned it on. Uh, her win at the Chevron was an interesting one. I remember angel yin had like a pretty big lead kind of choked it away at the end. Um, angel yin again here finishes T six with a plus four Sunday round. So another Sunday, not choke for her. She would have had to shoot 
five, six under to even be in contention. But like, maybe there's just something about these wins from Lilia where, yeah, she's going out and playing great golf and it's being judged differently because no one else is playing good, right? There's no contenders. There's no one pressing her. And it makes it a little bit easier, but they're still really impressive performances. I, I just realized too. So Lilia Vu is now the number one female golfer in the world. Wow. Overtook Nelly this week. Not surprising. And that, is that, that, that speaks to how poorly the top players have been playing because one week someone, dro- someone jumps from like five to one. No one can pass Scotty. It's going to take like eight weeks of really good play for someone to pass Scotty at this point. All right, cool. Let's jump into the BMW this week. They head to Chicago, a really great course, top 50, another $20 million purse. Let's talk a little bit about some of these guys that are 25 to 30, who if they don't have a good week, easily could be bumped out of Eastlake. So 25 to 30 goes Corey Connors, Jordan Spieth, Tyrrell Hatton, Sung J.M., Chris Kirk and Sam Burns. These are some big, big heavy-hitting names. And not all of them have been, have been playing that well. On the flip side, the 30 through 50 guys, you got Sahith, Justin Rose, Denny McCarthy, Matt Fitzpatrick. These are guys that could get hot. You only need a couple of those guys to have top fives this week, and they're going to easily push out some of those big names. This is so tough to to judge that because, like, all the points are doubled. So, like, yeah, like, you know, someone sitting, like, let's use Jordan as an example, who's right, you know, on that edge – at, you know, and but at the same time, he's also getting double points, and there's no cut. He's gonna fin, you know, we'll assume he's gonna finish somewhere at the very least middle. Say he finishes thirtieth, is that then good enough? Pretty much regardless, because he's gonna get enough points to move up. It's kind of tough to judge these. That kind of is what happened this week, right? You see lots of guys just that are outside the bubble play well. You get a top five, top ten this week, and if you're thirty through fifty, you're getting in, right? Because the quadruple points, and then if Jordan. Or Corey Connors or T. Rell Hatton, Sung JM, these guys have like a, they finish 40th or something like that. They're going to get passed pretty quick. Yeah, I'm looking at the list now. And basically, if you're in the top 20, you're a lock to move on. And then it, it does look like it's going to be hard for some of these guys, 30 plus, to, to hop in. Like they're going to have to shoot a top five, basically. Yeah. Or the guys in front of them finish DFL kind of thing. It makes but, it fun. It makes it fun to watch, like, especially early on, like Saturday and Sunday when during the coverage, they're giving you, like, oh, he was. Uh, t- he was 34, but now he just jumped up to 28 with that birdie. So, like, it, the numbers ping-ponging around, it makes it really fun to watch. Like, I think earlier on Sunday, I was watching Hideki's round where he made, like, seven straight threes on the back nine. They came out of that rain delay, yeah. and he played, like, he caught fire. Yep, that basically pushed him into this event this week. So, uh, it, it sets up for a lot of storylines outside of who's winning the tournament, which makes it a lot of fun to watch for Someone like me likes to turn the round on at like 10 a.m. on Sunday morning and, and just kind of watch them golf. And, our, and they kind of went away from that model for the Tour Championship because it was too hard to figure out like who was going to win. And I guess at that point, winning is the most important thing. Not, there's no next week. But it does feel like we're missing that a bit. Like three, five years ago, you got to watch like they would put up the projections. Like if he goes birdie, 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 he could win this thing. And yeah, it's a little hard to track when you're trying to crown a Tour Champion. But for this week and last week, it is fun to watch. I mean, there were Taylor Montgomery, another guy coming down 18, pretty much needed par. And I remember Montgomery had a chip from like 30 yards in front of the green and left it like 30 feet short. And I was just thinking to myself, like, you can't do that. Like, that ball's got to go almost, you know, you got to give yourself a chance, I guess. But that pin's only five feet from the water. I'd rather see it almost roll in the water than leave it short like that. Oh, yeah. You mentioned the guy on 18, Nick Hardy. Hardy. I think he had to make a par to get in and he cooked it into the water yep. and he was just like real emotional after round because he's an Illinois kid so like going to Chicago and playing this week would have been huge for him he was saying I'm still going I just am not going to be playing yeah. this week <laughs> it was tough 
Yeah, talk about a tough finishing hole last week when, like you said, you got to make par to get to the next round. And, oh, yeah, by the way, don't hook it left in the water and don't hook it left on your next shot because otherwise you're screwed. I think TPC Southwind is one of those courses where, like, we're always complaining about these courses being too easy. And that's a great example of a course that just doesn't fly off the top 10 list of courses you love. But when you watch it, you're like, dang, this course is gettable. But, man, you got to hit some good shots. You couldn't really miss the fairways. The rough was really long. You had lots of water up by the greens and firm greens. And then, like you said, 18, what a beast of a hole playing probably almost 500 yards. And I mean, Rory would take driver over the lake, but if you miss a little right, you're in the tree line. I mean, I don't know what's worse, right? I think we're going to get some of that this week too. The 18th hole is a 498 yard par four. Everything I've read about this course is it's really tight. Like all the holes are like tightly framed with trees. So uh, it'll, it'll be tough uh, aiming points off the tee and the, the, Fairways are pretty small, and I heard that they've got a lot of rain up there, so the rough's going to be thick and lush. Oh, it should so be fun. I, I think it'll be a tough test. The last time they had the BMW here, uh, it was Rom and DJ when DJ, they both hit like a 40-plus foot. Remember that? The 18th hole. Like same line. Like double breaker. Um, but the winning score that week was four under. Wow. So should be a real tough test. Expect, don't expect a birdie fest this weekend. I think I am now like fully in on eight, the 18th hole being a disgustingly hard par four. Especially for tour guys, not for us, but for tour guys. Like in general, you like that? Yeah. There's nothing better than watching like Lucas Glover playing great golf. And you know, he's tired for the lead, but he's got to make par on a hole that's averaging 4.3 and easily could be a huge number. I, I couldn't believe, I know this is going back to last week again, how hard that 18th hole was watching it because like the last hour, all those guys needed to make birdie basically. So they should have been firing at the pin and I didn't see a single guy within 30 feet. Even Rory had a wedge in his hand, and he still, you know, laid it way out right. And it just goes to show you just how hard some of these holes are that we think these guys should just be throwing darts all the time. And, and they, even with the, the tournament on the, the line, had to still play it safe out to the right. And I did not see many people missing that fairway right in the bunker, which I feel like would be a very sensible bailout. Like, yeah, you got a tough 200-yard bunker shot out of the sand to a, a pretty well-guarded green, but I saw a lot of guys miss it in the water, and I was, I was pretty surprised by that. And I feel like 30 people down the stretch had that same putt, like down the hill, yep. a little right to left breaker, but no one was making it. Nobody made it. And I, I think like at one point CBS did their little thing where like, oh, he's got to aim here and that's going to break right into the hole. And I'm, it, it was when Cantlay was putting. Cantlay hits a putt that's literally right at that spot <laughs> and it just hangs out right. And I was like, well, your technology is not too, not working too well here, CBS. This is what Scotty's been talking about. Late on Sunday, they just don't go where they're supposed to. <laughs> All right, that wraps up golf on the pro circuit. Dubby, let's get into big player golf this week. You played probably one of the more premier rounds of the big players uh, for the year. You played at Pete Dye Club in Bridgeport, West Virginia, about three hours west of Frederick, a pretty private course. It's got a couple of notes here, and then we'll let you talk about the round. 87th ranked course in the U.S., so oh. a really nice place. 33rd best modern course, so within the past 30 or 40 years. It was built in 94. It was originally meant to be called Coal Ridge, which I think you'll get into why that name would have been important. But I did read where the family that owned this land, the La Rosa family, uh, hired Pete Dye to design this course for them. It took them 16 years from pencils hitting paper to when it finally opened. And most of that it was considered just like over management by the family. So I'm wondering if because it took them so long and they were probably such a pain in the ass to Pete Dye that they said, all right, we'll just, we're going to name the course after you. We're going to let the Coal Ridge thing die and we'll just call it the Pete Dye Club. 
Yeah, I mean, first off, I think someone mentioned it uh, when I said I was playing Pete Dye, and it's like, how many courses do we need to have named Pete Dye? Right. Because <laughs> like, you go do a Google search for it, and like 10 courses come up that are named Pete Dye at this, Pete Dye, whatever, and it, yeah, Coleridge would have been much better suited. But uh, no, I mean, this was this was an iconic round. This might be new number one on my, my oh. list of favorite courses I've played, and Whoa. it was just it was just such the uh, the the connection of Pete Dye's masterful architecture cut into a mountain and, and a natural landscape versus Sawgrass was just you know a blank slate that he just did whatever he wanted with, and this is cut into the mountains of West Virginia, an old coal mine. And they incorporated all kinds of things that were just naturally there, including the the iconic piece of this is they opened up the the coal mine for you to actually drive through the That's shaft. Sick. Yeah, and, and you can kind of see it throughout, like the the shale and uh, you know some of the other. You know, you walk in, you see a coal cart on on Ten's fairway. There's an old uh, abandoned kind of coal train line uh, wow. with cars and and. You know, every hole you're playing, it's something different. It's just the typical Pete Dye. He shows you the fairway, which you're not supposed to hit it to. You're supposed to hit it over the bunkers because he shows you where you aren't supposed to hit it, and it's basically a blind shot, a lot of these tee shots, and um, just messing with your eyes pretty much every hole you're playing, and, and it was all just so unique. <clears throat> a little bit like PB Dye, right? PB Dye, the, the fourth fairway, the dog leg left. Or fifth, or f- fourth, or fifth, right? Where you see the fairway, but yeah. you actually want to go a little left. Yeah, exactly, and it's, it's just, mostly deceiving. And having never played there, they don't have GPS on the cart, so you're flying a little blind, and uh, you know you just have to kind of hit your shot and trust it. I saw this was ranked higher than the uh, live uh, the Greenbrier is like number two and three at the in West Virginia. Yeah, so it's, it's number section. two in the state. I yeah. think recently, I think Pikewood's fairly new, yeah. um, but it was number one for the long time. I think this is where they do the West Virginia State Open, um, pretty traditionally. But just a couple of uh, interesting notes here. So the fourth hole is a par three with a pond. In the middle, there's a rock pile with a mailbox sticking out. And mm-hmm. and I was like, what in the of world the is this? the green or the pond? The pond. Oh. And so I get yes. back at the end. I ask the, the guy, um, the cart guy, I'm like, what's the deal with the mailbox? He's like, they put that in. That's a suggestion box. Basically, if you have it's a problem with this course, <laughs> shove it because I don't really give a shit. A guy lives there. <laughs> Yeah, and then, and then, of course, mentioned the coal mine. Driving through that was quite the experience. Uh, and you can kind of see it, the hole you're playing up has, has kind of has that in the perimeter of it. And then they had all kinds of, like, natural rock waterfalls, barrancas, uh, rock creeks were, like, just flowing through the middle of these fairways. What's a barranca? You saw it a lot at the uh, LACC where it's just a, uh, a ravine with, I, I don't like right. a waste area almost trash. with overgrowth and, and a stream <laughs> kind of trash. running through it. <laughs> <laughs> trash. All the West Virginia people. Um, <clears throat> then the, one of the most interesting things, and, and what I would maybe say is their iconic hole, 17 short par four is easily the hardest green I've ever seen in my life. So if we think of PB die, number 12 is that like crazy green with all those tears. And that's kind of so unique. And this one it's probably the largest screen I've ever seen. And it's like an absolute upside down or a turtle shell where you're looking up like six feet. If you're standing on the edge of the green, you're looking up like six, seven feet to the, to the actual base of the green. And so everything runs off in every direction. And there's only like one or two spots on the whole green. You can actually put the pin. Sounds like a putt putt course. Yeah. And so it's funny you say that because I, I heard another story that, so there's a windmill behind the green. <laughs> 
And so I heard a story that one of the early members was complaining who like six putted the green and was like, you all need to change this. This is a disgrace. This is just a putt-putt hole. You might as well put up a windmill. <laughs> so again, a big <laughs> FU that just says, here's your windmill. I'm going to get like, you, clown. I don't really give a shit. <clears throat> but all in all, like for this being a pretty private, exclusive club, I couldn't imagine, I couldn't believe how laid back it was. Like from the moment you pull up, so off to the right, there's a nice pond with the warm-up green, a brand new like halfway house with a nice bar and string lights all around it. And then what caught me by surprise is they have speakers around the clubhouse just blasting music oh, that you can pretty much hear. The whole back nine, you can kind of see the clubhouse or have a are pretty close to it, and you can kind of hear it as you're playing, which for a, for a pretty exclusive club was kind of, I was taken aback that it's like, wow, they're pretty laid back here. Normally, like, the the thought of hearing music out on the course. Yeah, you should get crazy. with Greg Norman. That sounds like a good is old it, live event. Yeah. Is it still owned by the same family or is oh, it? Oh, I, I don't know all those. I know like, all those specific. I know details. like Troubadour. Like that. There's like a company that owns a bunch of courses that have that kind of vibe. The the less you know, stingy yeah. private club. So I was just curious if it was one of those. You know all those like videos you see of like people pulling up like a sprinkler head or like a. Uh, oh yeah, yeah with like the vodka. Yeah. You checked every single one. I did that a one. couple times. Like, <laughs> this is the kind of club that I might find a bottle of tequila. Swam out to that mailbox just to see if there was yeah, a bottle exactly. of Pappy in there. There's a bunch of coal. <laughs> now, I'm just curious. Like, what what was the event that you were there for? Like, I know you were there with your soon to be father in law, and Tully's yeah, like, "Can I come?" I mean, I I know Troy would have preferred me to be there, yeah, but I was yeah. busy. I so Tyler I, I played with Troy and his Grafton buddies, and uh, it was just. He knows a member there, oh. and we were hoping he would be able to play with us. He had his club championship at Pikewood that day. So unfortunate that he's a member at both courses that are that Tough prestigious. Life. So, so when we, we, were, Pikewood. we were unaccompanied guests, and so it was a, a hefty price tag for that when you're not playing with the member. But it was just a day out there, and uh, for a Friday afternoon, wasn't too busy. We we took forever. It was cart path only, oh, so you combine fuck. that with like this mountain. I'm never going ravines there. every every hole. And is it always cart path only? No, or it no, just no. Was, they okay. had just gotten a lot of rain. But did there, you have a caddy or anything? No, <clears throat> no. There and, there were some holes where it's like you might as well get out your like hiking gear and rappel up these hills because <laughs> you park at the cart path Merrill's. and you either walk straight up. Or you walk straight down, and then you have to hike back up after you hit your shot. So it was, so many it was a challenge. So follow-up question, now that I know this, you're unaccompanied there, I know a lot of private courses like that. Ask for like your member number if you want to drink or anything like that. How much did a transfusion cost there? So I believe six 16-ounce Miller Lights was $37. So Maryland national bad. prices. Well, not bad. No, that's pretty right? affordable. That sounds... For, for yeah, tall boys? I mean, it's how right I think a transfusion was $12 a shot. That's not bad. So if you got a double, it was 24 So, yeah, I mean, again, pretty reasonable. Did you get, like, a massage after anything? <laughs> no, nothing uh, nothing that exotic. <laughs> the coal miner massage. <laughs> special. Hot coal on your Tyler back. Tyler Childers came on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you put this above Sawgrass? Yeah. I wow. mean, I, I just, you know, obviously I think that's the Sawgrass news. is a more iconic course you see the players there every year, but as far as a course that like is just so unique with with all these different features and and just cut into the natural landscape, I I have to put this above just for me personally. You know, fun to play, uh, 
challenging in its own right and He's so yeah. sucking up to Troy saying that like oh yeah. the West Virginia course you know I love well, West it's, Virginia it's recency like, bias can we get and 16 guys this out is there? probably <laughs> yeah <laughs> did you have like a little bit take of it a, to oh, a Cowboys oh. game yeah we did <laughs> yeah. we did broach the subject of a possible pod event there we should have talked we should have so. talked to Devil on Saturday and see if he had like a little twang in his voice yeah <laughs> yeah so uh, no it it's probably a little biased too by like that might be the best round of golf i've ever played in my life yeah you're three under was, is what i saw no, on the instagram I, was not three under. I shot even and wow. it was a pretty clean oh, even. oh you actually did play good. that was pretty yeah. close wow. so coming off league where i was ready to quit the game of golf the night before i went out there and probably played the best i have in a long time so this I is just, starting to feel like a kenny one putt again thing yeah. where like you every time you play with us you don't <laughs> yeah, play that play, great play, play you, in league when you play be. with your other buddies oh, you're super exclusive course shot even best course i've ever played in my life yeah never going back it was. Uh, I felt like Scotty Scheffler, so I was kind of proud. I, I hit all these shots close to the pin and couldn't make any birdie putts to save my life. And, uh, yeah, so probably lost seven strokes on the greens. Was it uh, th- these guys you played with, uh, Troy's friends, was the first time you played with them? Yeah, both of them. Ever so now, like now, that? now they're like, mm. oh, that dub guy. You yeah. got to get him out of the – we got to get him for the scramble yeah. next week. <laughs> nice. Well, uh, we'll wait till your next fancy round, and then we'll bring it back to the, to the audience here. Uh, that does it for us tonight. If you haven't yet, make sure you head on over to Instagram and follow Not us that. at Big Players Only Pod. Thanks for being here, everyone. See you next week.